Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Manor Park Podcast. This podcast covers rape and pedophilia cases, as well as highlight organizations that make it their mission in this world to fight for children. I appreciate you clicking on to my podcast and listening to these episodes. I also have survivor interviews that I share as well, which can be very graphic and heavy. But it's much needed to be heard in this day and age. Because, like a lot of people, I myself was not aware of how troubling and how deep this issue really was. Until I started hearing survivors and listening to the heinous and horrific things they went through. So thank you for clicking on this podcast and listening to these stories. While I know they're deep and disturbing, we need to know what goes on with the victims and survivors and what they went through. So that we can try to identify the problem. And then we can figure out how to solve the problem. My podcast is not for the light of heart. It's not for the faint-hearted at all. It's not for anybody with a weak stomach. These stories will change you mentally. They will make you question your faith. They will make you wonder, why is it that the systems that are in place do not protect children and do not give justice to survivors? And that's what I want it to do. I want it to make you think. I want it to make you go and be curious enough to do the research as well and to go out there and seek the answers and find the truth to all of this because somebody has to. I myself is just a man who was tired of seeing these babies being harmed and from there it grew and I found out so many different traumas that I never knew existed. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you for clicking on this episode. Thank you for supporting me. It does mean a lot, and it's much appreciated. And I'm glad to know that since I've started this journey, there are so many individuals out there that care about protecting children and helping survivors like I do. With that, here's the latest episode.
Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast. This is going to be episode 57, titled Once Upon a Time in New Mexico, Part 4, The Samantha Haynes Chronicles. So where we left off last week was with Samantha basically talking about how she was meeting Kelly Tiller, the man she ended up killing later on, and some experiences she had with him to kind of set up a backstory. You know, give him more of a more of a context to who he was. This episode, she's going to talk about that, that fateful night and the events that led up to it. So, I appreciate y'all hanging in there, staying in to listen to this story. It ain't over with yet. This ain't the final part either. Oh no, this is not the final part. Uh, we still got a little more ways to go. Believe it or not. This is that part of the story I was telling you about that was going to get white hot. Now it's going to stay white hot for a little while. So, thank you for clicking. Thank you for listening. And I appreciate it very much. Here's the episode. When he first pulled up, so when you have syringes, you have numbers on them. One to a hundred or ten to fifty. So there's either a small one or a big one. He had a big one. He had two needles, which I had a bunch of clean needles from the sharps. We had a sharps thing. So I made sure that I always had clean needles on me. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about that. And I saw him pull up two rigs and I thought, because he told me that he had to go to work. So I just figured he was going to save some for later. And he had one rig that had 20 cc's in it, which is like a, a bump that you would kick down to somebody. You know, 20 cc. Go here's a little bump for you. 20. Then he had like an 80 60 rig, and I thought that was just for work. I didn't even think like anything of it. And I remember when I was upside down that I had to fucking hold my breath for so long. I'm like, dude, hurry up! Like we're about to lose the vein. And sure enough, it's it's hitting me way too fast. And when I come up from the couch from being fucking upside down in a stupid position like god how vulnerable i just feel i gaslight myself like i'm just so dumb for doing that obviously i shouldn't be taking advantage but uh so i i come up from from him you know shooting me up in the neck and the air is heavy like everything is heavy even sounds like when he's talking it sounds like really warped. Like even, 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 even noise waves are not uh, are you know distorted. Everything is distorted and heavy. Um, I, I don't know how else to describe like the air. My head felt heavy, and I'm looking yeah. over him, and he's got the twenty cent rig in his hand, and he's doing his rig real quick in his arm, and I'm going holy shit, he just gave me all of that dope. He just gave me that big rig. Yeah, so eight, so the 80-60 rig is like what, like eight, 60 to 80 cc's of, of dope? Of meth, yeah. Meth, yeah, meth, yeah. That's a, a large amount. Like, I, I, I yeah. see, I, like, like with cc's and shit like that and all that, I, I don't know. Like, like if, if you said, hey, I, I smoked an ounce of weed uh, today, okay. That's a, for me, that would have been a decent bit, but like, okay, like, you know, so, so like I, I, you know, like, like drug measurements and shit like that. I'm not 
I wasn't great with on the hard drugs like that. So, so. so the CCs, like a kick down, like a little fix, you know, your fix for, yeah. I would say, yeah, a good fix is about 20 CCs. So I was at probably triple what I should have been done. I was given way too much. Uh, that was way abnormal dose um, for me to take. And he goes, he's done with his, like nothing, like nothing happened. He's just all normal. And I'm looking at him all fucked up. I remember I'm like, what in the fuck did you just do to me? And he goes, I've got fine blood sugar drugs in my garage. And I don't even remember getting in the truck. I don't know if he like, you know, back pushed me, you know, into the truck. If he led me to the truck, if he picked me up into the truck, I don't know how I get into the truck, but this is when the rush starts to slow down a little bit. Okay. Cause yeah. it's a big rush right when you do your first hit and it's especially in your neck, it goes straight to your head. So the rush needs to, he is driving for a fucking long time. So I'm starting to collect myself just a little bit. Well, I think I am anyways. I'm probably fucking out of my mind. He acted out. Right. But I think yeah. I'm together and I'm, where are we going? So I guess his dad lives way outside of town. So, and again, we're in the middle of the desert. There's, there's fucking nothing out here. And there is a little trailer park right on the edge of the town in, in this fucking little desert. And it's called big sky or blue sky. I can't remember big sky. I think we finally get to this garage well we get to his house i'm starting to collect myself like okay well this isn't bad we're here we're we're at you know so i'm paranoid but i'm getting small comforts at the same time like oh it's okay you see what i mean get in the water jug we're gonna be all right and uh, okay there really is a house here okay all right and i go in and his dad is in like whitey tidies and like zero fucks cares that i'm there which i mean it's his house so yeah and I just walked in. I, I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess he could dress that, up. Um, yeah, I mean, some I have memories of, of stuff like that. Uh, that that reminds me of hillbilly shit right there. Um, and I've been in situations like that before uh, as a as a kid and, and as an adult, and in the and in the dealing scene as well. Like, yeah, I've I've seen guys do that shit. Like old guys do that shit. I don't know why they don't give a fuck. It. it I, 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 I don't even want to delve in like I like I never wanted to like think any further than it's just their fucking house and that was it like that's all I ever thought of it as and and his dad didn't think anything of it I felt a little awkward about it and I was like oh okay just because he didn't feel awkward that I was seeing him like basically naked all right whatever he's just standing there like normal no big deal I'm like okay well his dad's here so that was kind of another comfort in a way that like somebody was there so okay 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 and his dad knows that we are going out into the garage like his dad sees us we're going to the garage in order to get to the garage we've got to go through the house kind of thing and it's a back it's like a two-story building basically with nothing in it and we go into the side door of the garage and I'm looking around there's two cars and like a couple of things like around like the outskirts like I, I'm looking and there's no fucking water here. There's no water here. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, uh, 
where where's the fucking water and he goes opens the truck door that's in there it's like a broke down truck he opens the fucking door and goes under the seat and has a mallet and he walks up to me all fucking crazy and he's like you need to protect yourself and i'm like what I have nothing on you. I don't have a knife. I don't have a little anything on me. And I am in this garage um, behind somebody's house. And really only the dad in the tidy whities is in the front of the house. Like, doesn't look like he really cares about fuck. What is going on here? I'm fucking terrified. And he's walking up to me. And boom, boom. The door starts banging. And it opens and this guy with these like glasses is going, Kelly, what the fuck? We're late. His boss, he worked in the oil field and his boss on his rig crew picked him up, I guess, for work. And I'm going, why did you bring me here? You knew that you were getting picked. What, what was his end goal here? Like there's no fucking water. Now he's got to go to work. His boss is here to pick him up. What what was the point? And he's like, oh, here's my truck. You can take the truck home. It's no big deal. What? Well, no shit. I'm going to need a fucking ride all the way back into town. Yeah. So I'm just freaked the fuck out. I feel like he wanted to connect me to him in some way. So now I have his truck. But this is getting fucking creepy. And I know it. And, and I feel like... I know in my gut that something would have fucking happened if he didn't fucking bang on that door and get him. So I take off in the truck. I am, I cannot even drive. I'm so fucked up. I end up back at my house. My friend Ira's there. I'm like, Ira, dude, you're not going to fucking believe this. Um, Kelly gave me way too much fucking dope. I'm pretty sure he gave me a hot shot of dope in my fucking neck. And then we went out all the way to the middle of nowhere to get some apparent water. There was no fucking water. And now, like, now I'm a, now I have his truck. Like, I'm a, like, I don't know, in some way, like, owe him for this truck. You see what I mean? Like, what is going, like, I'm like, dude, I think, I think I almost got fucking raped. And Ira goes, oh, that's not surprising. And I was like, uh, what? what? Yeah. I was like, Oh, no, that's his M.O. He drugs girls up and takes them out in the middle of nowhere. Or he drugs them up and rapes them. Um, he's he's known for that around here. And I'm going, what? He's like, yeah, he's a registered sex offender and everything. He was penetration of a minor. I'm like, what? He's a fucking sex offender? And they're like, yeah, here, let's look it up. And they looked it up. Sure the fuck enough, dude. I'm like, oh, whoa. Um, okay. He's on bond for a habitual. Yeah, so he's he's gonna go um, for about an eight year bitch the next time but he was on bond for it. Apparently like his ex wife um, has multiple restraining orders on him moved like eight hours away to get away from him stalked her like he's got battery charges domestic violence charge. like he this I, I didn't know. Yeah. He was he was, so- I, I, he was he was grade A piece of shit like gold standard monster. And and I didn't know and he had really kind of been around my house fairly often because he had to go pick up money every time he needed dope from the niece next door. He was there even before I was in the drug scene. He knew who I was. 
I feel like I don't know that you just don't know who is around you. Like I didn't know there was a fucking pedophile going next door every day to the, you know, even before I was doing drugs. Right. Cause I'd only been doing drugs. I, I'd been living in Carlsbad for two years. That was it. I just think that's fucking wild to me that I just had fucking no idea. Well, when Ira told me all that, I start, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm fucking done with this shit. Um, I knew it. I knew he was trying to fucking take advantage of me. There's no fucking water. I fucking knew it. Now I've got his fucking truck. Um, he's going to come back and I, uh, I'm i going to need to owe him for something. He kept asking me if he could pay for sex. I don't know what was going on there. If that was his kink, like somebody owing him or him having like the upper hand on someone. Like, I don't know if that was his kink or what he kept asking just to give me head dome that's all he wanted and i was like uh no it's kind of fucking weird no i'm good um you you can't pay me any sorts of money for dome like i mean if we get to know each other and we start a relationship like we can talk about it but no i don't fucking know you um you can't just give me random stuff he was trying to like trade stuff with me and that was what I was thinking he was doing with the truck he even said when when we were out like driving he even said he was like I bet um you have a landing stripe uh shave down there it's like what totally like he was just a fucking creep like all the way around like I knew I was in a fucking dangerous position when I was in his truck and we were going out into the middle of nowhere. But certain things kind of calmed me down, like seeing that there was, you know, his dad over here. Like, see, there were certain things that calmed me down, but I knew still I was in a fucking, this guy was a fucking weirdo. Straight up creep. Kept trying to fucking touch me. No, just because I'm in a fucking car with you, dude, and you say you're going to get me some water doesn't mean you can start touching me. But I think he thought that because he just gave me a bunch of dope so I would loosen up or something and I would let him fuck with me. But that's not the case. Yeah, I'm talking to Ira and I'm like, fuck this. I need to get out of here. I need to get out of this town. My boyfriend just went to California. Maybe I can go to California in this truck. Like I'm just going to take off in this fool's truck. Fuck him. And that's kind of what my plan was. It totally, like, didn't fucking work out like that because I am high and out of my mind and I can't make a plan because I need dope every so-and-so hours. You see what I mean? I, like, want to kind of pay him back. You know, I'm done with this. Fuck you. I can't believe you did this. Took me out there. Wasted my time. Gave me a fucking bunch of dope. um, And then fucking tried to touch me the whole car ride. Like, no. So I go to my friend Roy Carey's house and I'm like, hey. I'm going to leave the truck in your garage for a while. And he's like, all right, cool. And I told him the whole story. And he's like, oh, yeah, everybody in the town, everyone in the dope scene knows that Kelly Taylor's a fucking pedophile, apparently, except for me. So I go and Roy Carey's like, oh, yeah, I don't hang out with him. That's not my scene. You know, that's not my my side of the fucking dope scene. You know, with the tricks and fucking uh, he he wasn't that wasn't his his deal. And I was like, "Okay, well, um, I've got his fucking truck. It's like, oh, well, fuck him. Okay, so Roy let me keep the truck there. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Am I going to go to California? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? But I know that I need to get out of there. So me and D. Carey 
we start talking and she's like, she loves leopard print. Like she's got a bunch of leopard print stuff. And I said, Hey, you know what? I have a whole furniture set of leopard print that I hand painted. Let's go get it from my house and you can have it. I need to get out of here. So you could just have this furniture. It's not a big deal. She's like, yeah, okay, let's go. She's got like a hatchback. We go and we see before we even pull up, we see that Kelly Tiller is at uh, my front door with a hammer in his hand and he is pacing back and forth in front of my house. Now, I don't know this at the time. I It was during my paperwork uh, when I saw the sergeant writing a report. He wrote down a report that Kelly Tiller was pacing back and forth suspiciously. He had a fucking hammer in his hand. Yeah, a little fucking suspicious to me, right? And it was like a suspicion report, but he said in the report that his truck was missing. So Kelly told the police that I stole his truck. Now, task force knows there's truck missing. They have an APB out for a red truck. I don't know this, but me and D pull off to the side and we're like, hey, should we even go to my house and get the furniture right now? Because this is dangerous. This is going to turn into a fight. And D is terrified. She's like, yeah, I don't think I should fucking go. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go get this furniture. And I told her, I was like, please do not make me stay here with him. So, and that's what she did. She kept her word. She was like, you are not going to fucking stay here with him. She told him straight up, she's coming with me. He was pissed off. We go and yeah, we're fighting. I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck happened to your truck. Somebody fucking took it at a gas station. Like your truck's gone. I'm totally lying, right? Uh, he is just fucking mad about it. Like, he doesn't believe it, I don't think. Um, and I'm like, too fucking bad for you, homie. You shouldn't have fucking taken me out in the middle of nowhere. Like, for real. And what, now I owe you for a fucking car ride back? Like, no. No, no. And that's how he was acting. He was like, so where's my truck? Well, now, now you owe me. Now you actually owe me. Like, no, the fuck I don't. Fuck you. And fuck your truck. Finally, he um, lets me leave to help D with this furniture thank fucking god so we leave when I leave he completely ransacks my house top to bottom ransacks it glass everywhere so I help D with the furniture I don't even remember what I do the rest of that day or tweaking you know on whatever I decide to go back to my house and I knew Kelly had to go to work night shift. So me and my friend Sean and my friend Michael, we all decide to go back to my house. I cannot get in. The house is fucking locked up. What? My house is never locked up. For real? It's locked, but there is a water hose from the fucking niece's house, connected at the niece's house, a water hose all the way put into my fucking bathroom window. So my bathroom window is open, but it's one of those tiny little fucking bathroom windows all the yeah. way up, right? Like, like, kind of like, like, like a trailer uh, bathroom window. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a manufactured home. Yeah, so exactly. There's that tiny fucking window. So I step on Sean Hedgecock's shoulders, right? And I finally get in. There is like a pool of water in the bathtub. I don't know what the fuck he was doing with all of that water. So he had a whole day like to, I don't know what he was doing. I have no idea what he was doing, but none of it made no fucking sense. So I fell into a bunch of fucking water um, and when, how he filled up the bathtub and maybe to flush the toilet. I don't know what he was doing. And I open the door. Me and Sean start immediately cleaning. So we start tweaking on cleaning, getting this glass up everywhere. Kelly also destroyed 
Annette and Gumby's stuff in their room. Okay? Everything is fucked. So, me and Sean are cleaning. Um, They start playing video games, kind of. People are coming in and out. Kelly gets there around 7 o'clock. He gets off work and busts in there, fucking angry as fuck. Where's my truck? So, me and Sean talk about it, and me and Sean are like, okay, let's just fucking give this fool his truck back. Like, I'm done. He learned his lesson. He's probably never going to fucking come over here and fuck with me again. Right? Right. And he's already destroyed my house. Like, like I'm doing one thing. He's doing another thing. Like, this is just escalating to more and more dangerous. Right? I'm like, all right, Sean, go get this fool's fucking truck out of Roy Carey's house for me. And they're arguing, too. Kelly told Sean that he was going to kill me. So Sean was like, yeah, let's, I'm going to go get your truck. Uh, We'll solve this problem right fucking now. Around then, Gumby shows up to get some of his stuff out of the spare bedroom. And it's fucking trashed. Now, when I say that Kelly was being aggressive the whole time, like cussing out everybody there, I can understand why everybody wanted to fucking leave. You see what I mean? So people are slowly leaving while he is there. He took Gumby's pool cue, the bottom half, the heavy half of the pool cue, and he is like brandishing it, hitting it in his hand, hitting it on the ground, up and down. He is angry. He's got a fucking weapon in his hand and he is being fucking crazy. So Gumby comes in and he's like, what the fuck happened? His NASA chair, which was his favorite chair, was broken to pieces this fucking dude he didn't know about the whole kelly situation he was gone he comes into a fucking trashed everything kelly's got his fucking pool cue in his hand and he's like dude what the fuck is going on they start fighting they take it outside and they start fighting gumby's trying to get him to fucking leave he doesn't leave um eventually like they both give up they're not backing down right Gumby's like, fuck this. I'm going to get all my fucking shit. Fuck you. You destroyed all my stuff for no fucking reason. I don't even know you, fool. Like, you see what I mean? Yeah. And so they start fighting. Um, I told Gumby, like, with all this commotion, what had happened. Uh, Kelly even asked me uh, if I wanted to get high with him again. Like, what? Like, while you're pacing around with a fucking weapon in your hand like a psycho? No, I'm not going to do fucking drugs with you. Like, the fuck out of here. And, fucking dumbass. Uh, yeah, so this is just escalating. I think that probably pissed him off. I think he's thinking, like, me getting high is going to loosen me up sexually. When it does the complete fucking opposite. Like, I know that meth really gets people, you know, jabbing and feeling themselves. But I like to paint on the walls. You know, and I like to tweak in fucking dumpsters and shit. Like, I am not doing all of that. Yeah, it just wasn't my get down. It's not how I got high. It's just getting fucking crazy at this point. Sean is taking a long time. I don't know what the fuck Sean's doing. Me and Kelly are fighting still. He is seriously thinking, like, I owe him for this truck incident. Sean's taking a fucking long time. What? Where's Sean? What is Sean doing? So, and I don't have a phone. I have no phone. I'm in a dope house, right? Like with fucking water in the bathtub right now. Like I have nothing. So I go to, there was, it's not there anymore, but there was a first cafeteria that was down the street from my house. Now, mind you, while all of this is going on, 
task force is fucking watching my house from down the road. Well, all this shit's going they, down. They see all this shit going. Okay. Well, good job, guys. Like, what the fuck? So I go to first cafeteria to see where Sean is. It's been hours. What the fuck? Um, I talk to Sean, and Sean's like, "Oh, I, 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 I forgot. I, I, uh, I'm playing video. I got stuck playing video games at my brother's. What? In the middle of all this shit. You know what? And really, my expectations for people really, really high on drugs should be bare minimum none. I should not have any expectations for somebody, you know, in the dope scene, right? Right. So fuck." dude please go get the truck he's like okay 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 and i told him i was like dude motherfucker's not gonna need a truck anymore like for real like we are fighting we are at each other's fucking throats dude hurry bring the fucking truck he's like okay okay i already put the fucking controller down i'm not i'm not i'm not stuck anymore i got it i got it i got it i'm going to roy's right now to go get the truck fucking thank you so but I'm still a little, I'm fucking upset about all of this. So I, I walk all the way back to the house and I'm like, okay, I think he can tell that I'm a little bugged with Sean, but I tell him, I'm like, Hey, Sean's coming back with the truck. Okay. He's just fucking taking a while. And I think, I don't think Kelly believed it. It was the truth at that point. You know, I was bullshitting with him before the other day, but I was being really truthful. Like, it's coming, dude. Just wait a fucking minute. So while this is going on, I don't know. Sean goes, I I don't know until afterwards, right? But Sean goes to his house and the keys for the truck are locked in a lockbox in D. Carey's room. And nobody's got the key to get into the lockbox except for fucking Roy Carey, who is at work until five o'clock. Jesus. Around two o'clock in the fucking afternoon at this point like i guess sean was looking at his his statement i haven't i haven't watched all the interrogations but like you can put all the pieces together like what everybody was doing at the time when you watch the interrogations that's what he said he was doing he was rummaging trying to find the keys then he realized what was going on then they broke into the fucking lockbox because by the time roy gets back Roy apparently doesn't know where the fucking keys are either. We thought the keys were with you to get into the lockbox. What the fuck? So everybody's out of their minds, and I'm my expectations are real high. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like on a literal, I'm too, I'm too high. I'm expecting these people to to fulfill a mission that is just you know gonna take a long time for tweakers to get something done. You know, it's around uh. It's around three o'clock in the afternoon and it gets bad. He pushes me over. Um, I had a toilet in my living room and I thought it was just a funny toilet because when people would come over, they would sit on it and I would know what they would look like sitting on the toilet, you know, like toilet prop, I guess. I See, I was out of my mind. Who the fuck has a toilet in the goddamn living room? That's kind of, see, that's the kind of shit I had things hanging from my ceiling. Um, My crime scene photos, I can't even relate to at this point in my life. Like, I cannot believe I was that fucking insane. Just hanging crazy shit from the ceilings. Nothing. I had a shopping cart hanging from my ceiling. No lie. So. What? uh, A shopping cart? Shopping cart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was crazy. I I had 
lost my fucking mind. And I honestly want to say a piece of that was Annette. Because Annette was around me too much. And I swear, if somebody is, like, like delusional around you, it's, it rubs off. And I think it rubs off a little more when your mind is vulnerable to drugs. So I was cuckoo. And not as cuckoo as Annette, obviously. Like, oh my gosh, when you watch her interrogation, she says that she is a Christian shaman medicine Cherokee woman. What? What? Oh like, my God. You know, like, yeah. Totally white. Like, no, no, she was batshit crazy. So being around somebody that was that crazy, I think influenced me a lot of ways. But I knew that I needed to get them away from me anyways. I was trying to get them kicked out of my house. It just escalates fucking more and more. Gumby gives up. He's in his room just trying to pack up all of this stuff. Yeah, he pushes me over a toilet. Uh, I grab a bat that is by my front door. And this is a tea bat. It's pink. I grab it and he starts laughing at me. He's like, what the fuck are you going to do with that bat? I said, I'm going to fucking hit you over the head with this bat. Oh, man. Crazy. And he said, I'll let you. That tea bat won't do shit to me. I'm like, what? So I did. He leaned over. He said, here, hit me right here on the top of the head. And I did. I swung as hard as I fucking could. I stepped back and everything. Put all of my... I was about 95 pounds. I was teeny tiny strung out i i was under 100 pounds when they fucking checked me into the jail that bat broke the bat broke the fucking top of the bat flew off the bat cracked down the center and boy what the fuck he looked up at me he did not move he did not fucking nudge he was right that fucking bat didn't do a motherfucking thing to him and it's laugh and he's laughing it he is on some God mode. Nothing can happen to me, but I'm believing it because nothing fucking happened to him when I fucking broke this bat over his fucking head, right? Uh, holy shit. He fucking looked up at me and his eyes were black. He had ice blue eyes and they just turned black. I was looking at head in the face when it happened and I was like, holy shit this is fucking dangerous and he started laughing i fucking told you bitch fucking bat wouldn't do shit to me whoa i went into i think the kitchen i don't really know um like in my paperwork it says the knife was on top of the because i had a rattlesnake um in a tank in my living room yes i had a rattlesnake in my living room his name was snuggles he was sweet (laughs) but so he was a gift uh from sean hedgecock actually he was a gift but i don't think that's what happened i don't think the knife was on top of the snake tank i think when they found the knife it was on the floor right next to the snake tank i don't think it i don't know i read my paperwork to just make sense of it all in my own head too because i wasn't all there so um but I think I went into the kitchen, like where all of my other chef knife kitchen utensils would be. I was holding it and he was egging me on and he was like, fucking do it, bitch. You're not even holding the knife right. Once you fucking use that knife on me, dude, I'll, I'm taking that bitch from you. It'll be my turn next. Holy shit. This motherfucker is batshit crazy. And I was like, no, I'm going to drop your dick off. And he said, I'll let you. God Wait, dang. What? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on i am trying to scare him anything i can do to scare him to leave me the fuck alone 
And I just said I was going to chop off his dick. And he was like, do it, bitch. I don't even give a fuck about my dick. It's little. And I was like, uh. What? Okay. Um, just trying to make you a Lorena Bobbitt is what he's trying to do. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And at this point, like, it seemed like it kind of turned him on just talking about it. So I was like, whoa, homie, I don't want fucking nowhere near your dick. Never mind. Like, just playing. Just kidding. Yeah, that fucking turned real fucking weird real quick, right? Right. Just told me, do it, bitch. And I stepped onto, I had a low-rise coffee table in the living room. And he was standing there, like, arms out. Like, do it, bitch. Like, in my face. Something strange happened, like, with my body. I feel like I almost stepped outside of my body. It was a dissociative state. I was looking in on it. Like, I was in a totally different part of the room watching myself do this, if that makes sense. Yeah. I step on the coffee table and I just swing once and I let go of the knife. I'm terrified. I let go and I jump back and the knife is all the way through him. It goes through four ribs, cuts his heart in half. The handle is sticking out and he looks at me and he looks down at the handle and he fucking grips the handle with one hand and he rips it out of his fucking chest, dude, like a psychopath. And he throws the knife at me and he's like, you fucking bitch. Last words. He slumped over on the couch. Jesus Christ, man. I don't even know. I don't even know. I was so lost. I don't even know what fucking happened at that point. I was fucking terrified. I put my dogs outside. I didn't want the dogs anywhere near him. I didn't want to be fucking anywhere near him. He started to smell instantly. It was the wildest thing. I put on shoes and I fucking started running. My adrenaline at this point is out of control. I don't know if I could ever feel this type of feeling again unless, yeah, like unless something like this happened again. Um, It is a whole nother level of adrenaline. Um, I did not think that one stab wound would kill him. Like I didn't think that. um, The right one, the right one in the right place. Yeah. Like I didn't think that was going to work. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it fucking did and too well. Like way too well. That were the bat broke. Uh, but this was a one time and done. Like DOA, he was fucking done, dotted in three seconds. Yeah. Once he pulled that fucking knife out, yep. that, that that was irreversible after that point. Like if he left it in, he might have had a little bit longer to live, but not much. I mean, once you hit the fucking heart, I mean that's it. Like it's the heart, the the um, jugular, I think carotid arteries. It's just different points. And once you nick those those arteries or those or those main veins and everything like that, like that is like it, it's you know get right with Jesus time. I really didn't. I was just trying to stop him long enough for the truck. Like with the bat incident, I was trying to knock him yeah. out. Just to knock that yeah, motherfucker I, out. I, 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 I mean, you, you were just in a mist of a lot of fucking chaos. And I just, whoa, fuck. I did not think that was going to happen. And now I've got a fucking dead body on my couch. Holy shit. And I've got his fucking truck at my homeboy's fucking garage. Whoa. Like, now Roy's getting involved in this. I'm so upset. I don't know what the fuck. 
like my brain feels like static. That's kind of what it feels like. So I'm just running. I ran for three fucking miles. It is January. It is freezing. One of the dogs followed me. I had two dogs, Cotton and Tiener, for dopies. Yes, those are dope names for, for like ounce Tiener, you know. And then there was Cotton just for because you need a Cotton to um, draw up your dope. So I am definitely like wrapped up in the dope scene when you name your fucking dogs that. But Tiener follows me all the way to Michael Hedgecock's house. I fucking bust into his house. He puts uh, the dog outside on a leash. Like, the dog's fine. And I get there, and I can't even talk. Can't fucking talk. Um, My voice is fucked. It's so cold, and I ran so hard, and I'm so fucking out of it. I don't know what the... I'm in... I don't even know. I'm fucking terrified, dude. There's a fucking dead body on my couch, homie. And he's looking at me like nothing. Like nothing. He's, like, blinking at me. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Kelly Tiller is dead on my mother fucking couch. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. I'm sure you killed Kelly Tiller, really. You, you, you killed Kelly Tiller. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I think you've been up a little too long. And I think you need a sandwich. And you need to get to bed. I'm like, what? No, dude. No, Kelly's fucking dead on my couch. He's like, no, I'm going to take you home right now. You're all right. You're okay. You're safe. We're just going to take you home and get you to bed. Okay, I'm going to take you home safely. And I said, fuck you, dude. You have lost your fucking rabbit ass mind. I'm not going anywhere fucking near that house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, he is so stoic. It is gnarly. So... I, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, think of it like this, though. You know, you're in a dope scene. He's around people in the dope scene and everything like that. He probably hears some of the most craziest shit ever, yeah. and this is probably another one of those crazy ramblings yeah. that he's listening to. Exactly. Nobody trusts nobody in the dope scene. Nobody trusts, and especially somebody like Kelly Tiller, who has been in the dope scene that long, who is well known, who is crazy, who is known for fighting, who is known for. All of these things, like, yeah, right, bitch. You, you, you are 21 years old. Kelly was 40 years old. Um, Yep, strung out with hepatitis. Like, they're looking at me like, yeah, right, bitch. So I can get why he didn't believe me. I, I do, I do. But really, by looking at my face and my body and, and everything that I'm saying, like, I don't see how I could be lying. But then again... He totally didn't believe me. And I was like, fuck you. You're not taking me back to that house. I said, was, 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 was there blood on you, by the way? No, it was clean. Okay. It was just a clean. I didn't even pull. I didn't even pull. Out. I, I jumped back. I yeah. stuck back. I was terrified. I was about to run, you know, and I thought he was kind of coming after me, actually. Like he was just standing there for a, a good second or two with the fucking handle sticking out of his it was a chef's knife it was 13 inch chef's knife that motherfucker went all the way through him dude yeah no there was no blood on me nothing it wasn't really gory it wasn't it was a honestly it was a fucking accident really like i didn't think that that was going to to happen as perfect as it happened like yeah i I don't jesus so um he drops me off at roy's 
but he still wants to go check out to see what the fuck's going on at my house, right? Right. And I tell Roy, I'm like, Roy, fucking, he's dead on my fucking couch. And when I look at, um, like, the interrogations of Dee and Roy, uh, Dee says that I was crouched in a corner, like, shaking, freaked out, wigged out, totally out of it, like, rocking myself and everything, like, curled up kind of in a ball on the ground. And Roy Carey totally believes me. He's like, oh, shit, no fucking way. Okay, well, Sean is there, right? They're, they finally get the keys to the fucking truck, okay? And I'm like, hey, Roy, we need to do something about this truck. It should not be anywhere near you. Um, and I'm sorry that this even happened. Like, this wasn't supposed to um, happen. So we got to get this fucking truck out of this garage. So I just dropped the truck off on the side of the road and leave the keys in it. Like, I don't want Roy to have any problems. I don't want any problems with anything with this, right? Right. So um, I can't even fucking drive the truck. I was out of my mind. And Sean was trying to, like, guide me. And Sean picked me up. Sean helped me do all of that. Drop the truck off. Michael pulls up to my house. Remember, Task Force has been watching my house the whole fucking time. So Task Force finally sees a, a truck pull up. And he's like, oh, a truck. It wasn't Kelly's red truck. It was Michael's black truck. But either way, the Task Force pulled up and said, what's going on here? And part five will be next week, y'all. I know I kind of left it on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Sorry about that. But, you know. I wanted to share the events of what happened in that faithful night in New Mexico. Like I said in the beginning of the episode. So the aftermath will be next week. Anyway, I want to, I just have a few announcements and that is that we are continuing to grow. And I see the love and the out, really the outpouring of love from a lot of y'all, the listeners out there that support the show. It means a lot. It's very wonderful to me. Uh, Hopefully soon in the future, we're going to have some merchandise, some, well, I'll say mer- like some shirts and some hats and stuff like that. I'm working with somebody that I met off of TikTok, and I'm waiting for them to get back to me with design plans and see what we go from there. Obviously, I don't need the money for it. or I, That sounds so fucking egotistical. Obviously, I don't need the money. Oh, I mean, yeah, everybody could use the money. But what I mean is I'm not hurting for money like that. And I, don't, I, um, I just want to help somebody else's brand grow. You know, the shirt maker's brand grow, which, you know, adds to it, right? And really just help out my, you know, help out just a few other people in my life. That's it. I don't need it for the money. That's basically what I'm saying. Sorry, y'all. It's been kind of a hectic fucking morning. So, yeah, there's that. Also, for any of y'all that are listeners out there and you're on different social media platforms, please give this a share. Spread this out to the algorithm. You know, that's the only way people are ever going to listen. That's the only way people are ever going to actually know that this is an actual channel. Because I'm not on the charts yet. The only way I can get on the charts is if we get more people listening. So that's it. You know, and I, I have more guests down the line as well. Uh, a lot more guests coming down the line. So it's going to be fun interviewing some of those people as well. I've already interviewed... And uh, look, it's no big secret. I've told it on social media. I've interviewed the old foul dude as well. So after Samantha's story is finished, old foul dude will be up next. And you definitely want to check out that interview. 
coming down the pipeline. I got a few more other people. Some of them are pedophile hunters. I'm trying to get on get on with schedules with, and some of them are um, just different survivors, different things, and that's all I can say at this point. But we're trying to get some stuff done. They got some healers out there as well, some counselors and stuff. I want to get on the podcast so they can share their insight and share some knowledge as well for us. Because look, this needs to be you know an all-around, well-rounded show when it comes to the trauma world. So that's what I want to do. They got other organizations I'm looking at, trying to get a hold of somebody from. So it's all coming. You know, it's all coming. People are noticing, and people want to just share their stories. So, with that being said. I love you. I know I rambled on for a couple minutes about announcements. But hey, like I said, all all I, the biggest help you can give me is just sharing this out there to people, right? Just sharing this on your social medias. If you're big on Twitter, share it on your fucking Twitter for me. Because I ain't got shit on Twitter. You're big on, on Instagram. I ain't got shit on Instagram. I'd love for those Instagram and Twitter people to come and listen to this podcast. I'm only, you know, I got my Facebook and I got my uh, TikTok families. That's what I got on there. I can't run off all the major, you know, major platforms because shit, it's a full-time fucking job. And I don't know. And the only way those, those people are being able to do that is that they make it their full-time fucking job. I don't know. I like driving trucks for a living. I'm in a glass box for all fucking day long. It's nice to me. Some people don't like that shit. I love it. So yeah, you know, I, like I said, I don't mind doing the podcast. I love doing the podcast too, though. I love doing the, the TikToks and everything as well. But, you know, I I just need to grow on other platforms, I guess. So if, you, if you're bigger on there, let me know. Find me on TikTok. Tell me. You know, I can find you on Twitter, and you can help me out if you want to. If you want to. It's nothing, not a big deal if you don't. But, yeah, that's the only way people are going to know. Just sharing it out there, right? That's all I ask. That's all I ask anybody to do. It's free. It costs you nothing. That being said, um, I know I was kind of sounding a little, you know, sorry, I rambled, ran it off about that. But I want to just show my thanks and gratitude to all my listeners out there who have been showing their love, outpouring that love, like I said. And I just, uh, it really means a lot. I love each and every single one of you, the people that I talk to outside of the podcast as well, outside of TikTok. Um, I love y'all as well. And I thank y'all. And y'all are really good friends to me. And, you know, if I could hug you, I'd hug you. And you know who you are. Thank you all. You mean the world to me. And it's because of people like you. That's why I'm still here in in this fight. So thank you. That being said, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Kick ass, take names. No mercy, no quarter for pedophiles. You know what I mean? Remember, the Bowman Sea. And the bowmen never forget. Y'all have a wonderful day. Love you. Bye.